Welcome to this Family and Community Strengthening Forum. I'm your host, Richard Urban. Come on up, Stace. And uh, Stacey's our lovely co-host. So, um, okay. We're here at the beautiful Peace Kingdom Center in Historic Harpers Ferry. We're high up on the Shenandoah Mountain. And uh, so those who are here, welcome. And, you know, thank you also for those who are joining us on online. We're grateful you could be, could be here. And we're uh, thankful for that. So today I'll be your um, first speaker. And I'll be also giving the like premise for this forum today. So we'll get uh, started. So the premise is, and this is something that, you know, I'm hoping or asked all the speakers to, you know, include at least uh, in some aspect to break the generational cycle of outside of wedlock birth. We need a revolution of abstinence centered education. Parents should present the expectation of sexual absence before marriage to their children, regardless of whether or not they abstain themselves. They should think about what is best for their children's future and speak honestly about their own situation. School and community-based programs, such as urban life training, can back up parents in making this revolution. In one generation, this can break the cycle of outside of wedlock births and all of the related personal and societal consequences. I'd like to um, welcome up um, Michael Marshall, and he'll be our next uh, speaker. And Michael is the editor emeritus of UPI, and he can uh, introduce himself more. So thank you. Again, thank you, Richard. Uh, as he mentioned, uh, I'm the editor emeritus of United Press International, which is uh, a, a news service. Uh, mostly online these days. I was there uh, for uh, about uh, seven, eight years. And prior to that, I was the uh, editor-in-chief of the World and I magazine, a monthly magazine which covered a wide range of, of topics. Um, I'm very honored to be here today. And thank you to Richard for putting together this, uh, this, this, this workshop. Uh, it's, it's been going three days, three, three different uh, uh, segments, and today we're looking at the theme of uh, strengthening families uh, and communities, uh, the idea of peaceful families and peaceful, uh, peaceful world and the connection between the two. So uh, Richard presented uh, a lot about the creation of uh, uh, abstinence-centered uh, sex education. And as you saw from his presentation, this is not simply a matter of uh, how young people behave sexually. It's also making them aware of the, uh, the, their, their future goals and, and lives and the place that love uh, and its sexual expression should have within that. So the purpose of abstinence-based sex education is ultimately that young people should become uh, adults who uh, marry uh, and then have and raise children uh, in, a, in, a, in a stable, uh, loving uh, two-parent family. And, and that's the, the goal, and that's what I'm going to be talking about today. So my thesis is that the family is the key to the physical, emotional, uh, and spiritual well-being of individuals. Uh, and if we understood properly uh, the significance and importance of family, uh, it would also resolve much of the moral and social confusion 
that affects our society today. Uh, there's much focus in media and popular culture on a wide variety of lifestyles. And the one lifestyle that doesn't get a lot of uh, attention and uh, is given much coverage is the traditional family, uh, stable two-parent families and the children that they raise. And this is, is it's more than sad. It's, it's something that's tragic. Um, because the reality is there is a great wealth of uh, research, sociological and psychological research, uh, that shows the benefit of raising children into parent families. Um, yet this is widely ignored by mainstream, by, by mainstream media. And it, it's almost like... Um, uh, something delusional and self-centered that simply does not want to face uh, the, the facts of this information, which I'll get into uh, as I go along, um, because it would interfere with different lifestyles where people are seeking different forms of pleasure that are for the moment and the present uh, and don't look to the future, as you have to do if your parents in a family raising children and are serious about it. Um, so an example of what I mean by there's something delusional about, about uh, this uh, neglect of the uh, prolific evidence of the benefit of uh, two-parent families. Back in the 1960s, uh, no-fault divorce was introduced. Uh, no-fault divorce uh, meant that a couple could decide they didn't make each other happy anymore and would break up and seek happiness elsewhere. Prior to that, divorce could only happen uh, for the, the three A's, uh, abandonment, abuse, adultery. Uh, those were the grounds for divorce. With no fault divorce, you could decide, I've had enough of this relationship, I want out. At the time in the 60s, there, obviously the question was raised, what impact is this going to have on the children? And uh, the answer from many psychologists, even though there weren't any studies that went over a long period of time, the answer was children are resilient. So children will, will adapt. Uh, there won't be any harm and long-term consequences, which has proven simply untrue. Since the 60s, there have been plenty of what are called longitudinal studies. That is studies that go over many years, even many decades, following the children of divorce. And what they have found is that there are long-term consequences that carry on into adulthood uh, for the experience a child has of its parents breaking up, separating. Uh, one of the things that happens is, of course, the child feels responsible. Was it because of me? Was it because of me that my, my parents left? Which is a terrible thing to, to put upon a child. And what happens is that the emotional impact carries over into adulthood, and it affects the way in which uh, young people, young adults, who are, are the children of divorce, then form their own relationships. They do not, they find it not easy to trust. They are hesitant about marriage uh, because what the example do they have? Look what happened to my parents. So 
how can I be sure that if I marry, the same won't happen to me? Um, having children, the attitude to children. Uh, do I want to bring children into the world and then my husband or wife and I break up? And so th these effects are, are well documented in, in, in psychological studies these days. But at the time, what was being said that children are resilient was, was basically telling the people who sought no-fault divorce um, what they wanted to hear, which is, you can act on your own self, selfish interest, um, and you don't have to worry about your kids because there'll be no really bad effects on them. So this is, this is what I would call a, a, false, a false narrative where uh, the, the, the reality is ignored because it's inconvenient. And in this field of family, sexual relations, there are many, many false narratives uh, that uh, uh, sad to say. Um, so uh, let, let's look a little bit at the benefits of the uh, uh, two parent families. I'm going to read a couple of quotes from an organization called the International Federation for Family Development. This is a, an NGO which is in special consultative, consultative status um, with uh, the UN, with the, the Economic and Social uh, Committee of the UN. So uh, they, they have a considerable global standing. Um, and uh, in, in one of their submissions, they said this, as the basic and essential building blocks of societies, families have a crucial role in social development. They bear the primary responsibility for the education and socialization of children, as well as instilling values of citizenship and belonging in the society. Now, to many of us, that would seem, well, isn't that obvious? And it, it, it should be obvious, but the reality is uh, that there are many trends in society and in our culture uh, that ignore that truth, act as if it isn't true. The uh, IFFD uh, lists uh, some of the uh, many benefits that come from stable two-parent families. Uh, and these are supported by, by multiple uh, research studies. Stable families have a higher life expectancy, a lower risk of mental illness, alcoholism, and domestic violence. The children show lower infant mortality rate, lower risk of drug addiction, and lower incidence of engaging in criminal activities after puberty. Higher academic achievements and fewer unwanted teenage pregnancies. These are uh, some of the established benefits of uh, two-parent families. And uh, they go on to say that evidence shows that the outcomes for both children and adults are not equal regardless of the family structure. So whether it's, you know, there's a big difference as we'll see between two parent uh, families and one parent families. Um, so let, let's take a look at uh, some of the costs of ignoring the, the, um, the, the, the uh, two parent families. Uh, first of all, to put things in perspective, back in 1960, it's a long time ago now, 5% uh, of births in America were births to unmarried mothers, to, 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 to what used to be called out-of-wedlock births. 
Around 2010, that figure had risen to 41%, from 5% to 41% in 50 years. This is a major, vast social and cultural shift. And it's one where we have only really hardly begun to address and deal with the, with, with the consequences. So what are some of the costs of that? Children, health. Children of divorce are 50% more likely to develop health problems than kids in stable two-parent homes. That's not just emotional and mental problems, even physical problems. I mean, often physical problems are the result of, of, of uh, emotional or mental stress. Uh, even physical problems are higher for the children of uh, uh, single-parent families. Um, education. Children in single-parent single homes or even blended homes. A blended home is where there's two parents, but one is a step-parent, usually a step a stepfather. Uh, those children are less likely to graduate high school or complete college. Kids with stepfathers are more likely to be suspended or expelled from school, have problems with teachers, getting their homework done. They have lower grade point average. Um, let's look at the economic side, the economic difference. Um, in 2009, the poverty rate in the US for single parent families was just over 37%. So 37% of single parent families were below the poverty line. For two parent families, that figure was 6.8%. 37% against 6.8%. Robert Rector, who's an expert on these issues, uh, called marriage one of the greatest weapons uh, against child poverty. Uh, and and that's, that's, that's a simple truth. 25% uh, of children under the age of 18, that's about 17 and a half million children, are being raised with no father. I think these are figures from around 2010. 45 of those, 45% of those rather, uh, that's nearly a half of those children are below the poverty line. Uh, let's look at the, 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 the rate of income. For single mothers, 2013, their medium income was $26,000 a year. Median income means that that's the middle. Half of the group you're talking about is above that and half is below that. Uh, what was the median income at that time, 2013, for married couples uh, and uh, families with, with, with two parents? $84,000. $84,000, $26,000. So this is a vast difference, which people pr promoting different forms of family and so on do not want to talk about. But the reality is, I mean, the, the, actually, the United States has one of the highest child poverty rates among developed nations. And this, the cause of this is not primarily economic conditions. It's cultural attitudes that make it okay uh, to have single parent families. Um, now, 
a lot of people would say, well, family arrangements and whether you're married or choose to have children and not be married, these are private matters. It's all, it's all up to the, to the individual's concern. This is simply not true because uh, these data that I've laid out have social consequences that affect the whole society uh, and that the state uh, has an interest in. Uh, negative social behaviors. You get a higher level of negative social behaviors, crime, drug use, and so on, from the children of single parent families. That's a problem that should concern everybody. Even more so, the economic uh, picture I've painted, with so many uh, single parent families living in poverty, um, that, 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 that they need to have welfare support. So taxes have to be paid to provide welfare for single parent families who, um, if they were married and, and had a stable family, would not need that support. So that is a, a, a broad social issue. It's, it's not just a private matter. This uh, disturbing situation uh, has come about because of a significant change in values from what I would call a we culture to a me culture. And who, are, who suffers the most from this change? Uh, exactly. Children are the ones who suffer the most from this change. Uh, the the, the no-fault divorce and the attitude to it was, is an example of that. Um, so, in a way, this may sound a little bit shocking, but I think there's truth in it. Our culture, our society, practices its own rather peculiar form of child sacrifice. You know, you read about these ancient uh, uh, societies that made sacrifice of children to some god and so on. Today, we sacrifice the interests of children many times uh, for the satisfaction of the present wants and desires of adults. Um, if we look at the marriage equality movement, that's a, a big example of, of exactly that. Marriage equality was, you know, marriage should be about two people, doesn't matter what sex, different sex, same sex, but marriage equality is a civil right. And it's about two people who want to make some sort of commitment in their lives together. This is a radical change, a radical change in the meaning of marriage. And it's one, again, that has not been recognized because the, the, the people who promoted the marriage equality movement are promoting it, uh, didn't say, we want to change the meaning of marriage. They said, marriage is a civil right. Uh, therefore, people of the same sex should have the same civil right as people of opposite sex. But that is not what marriage has been about traditionally. Marriage was a union of a man and a woman. Why? Not primarily for their mutual satisfaction, but to form a stable bond uh, within which children would be conceived, born, and raised. And as we all know, among all animal species, uh, animal species, ma all mammals, human beings, uh, have the longest period of time to growth. So if you have a child and you're a responsible person or better still a responsible couple, you are committed to make sacrifice 
to raise that child to adulthood and not just any adulthood, but adulthood where they are people of character, responsibility, who can make something of their lives. And if a whole society is thinking that way, um, then you're actually raising uh, a future generation uh, who can lead the society after your generation, our generation has, has passed away. That, that vision of marriage has been pushed aside. Marriage that was future oriented, raising the next generation has become marriage that is focused on the present. The, the, the satisfaction of the uh, desires now in the present of two individuals who want to get married. And what's the foundation of that marriage? We make each other happy. So what happens if and when that stops? We don't make each other happy anymore. The marriage is gone, is dissolved. And, uh, you know, I don't want to put this all on the marriage equality movement because the roots, the, the roots of this trend started back with the no-fault divorce, which was also about, uh, I'm not happy in this relationship. Uh, I want to be able to pursue some other path. And so my partner, my children, if I have children, uh, they, they uh, are going to be second to my own, to my own desires. Uh, so uh, what's neglected in all of this? Uh, rights. I, I like to think about uh, uh, children's, children's rights. Uh, there are many claims of rights today. Personally, I, I think if you're a citizen of the country, you have rights. And uh, all, all citizens should have equal rights. And you don't have special rights. There's no need for special rights for one group or another group and so on. But if we're talking in those sort of terms... The, 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 the group that is most needs some sort of rights and is most neglected is, is, is children. Uh, as we mentioned, there's little, uh, uh, little emphasis on the emotional impact on children of unstable marriages. But unstable marriages or being raised by a single parent, it affects a child's sense of their full, fulfilled self, and in the future, their ability to contribute to society. Um, the, the child, if you think about it, the, the chi a child is the most vulnerable uh, uh, person in society. And nobody consulted us and said, do you want to be born? We're born, right? We had no say in it. Here we are. Nobody consulted us about, okay, you're born, but do you want to be born to these parents? No, we have no, the children have no choice in that. So given you have no choice and you come into this world, don't you think that the child has a right and expectation to have come into the world with two parents who have conceived that child and are committed to raise that child, educate it, sustain it, and most of all, love that child. That, that's, that's the basis uh, of what, should, what a child should be able to expect. And so much of what is happening simply, simply ignores that. 
And this is a this is a serious uh, serious issue and serious uh, problem going going forward, um, because societies that lose their vision. I think there's a, a, a saying in the Bible, in the Book of Proverbs, I believe, where there is no vision, the people perish. So, if we have no vision for the future and are only living for present satisfaction, and this is not just about you know, uh, family relationships, having children, sexual relationships. I mean, the whole of our commercial culture and advertising is about satisfying your desire now or as quickly as possible. So a society who raises people who don't think of the future, uh, maybe their, not their own future, certainly not the future of the society as a whole, um, doesn't have a future. Uh, it, it's going to uh, dissolve and disintegrate. So I, I think that the revival of family addresses many real uh, social and cultural issues. Um, there are many practical reasons, you know, the outcomes that the data has shown um, for health, economic benefits, uh, doing well in school, having a stable character, not getting into trouble with the law. These are things that should be widely known in society and people in society of any frame of thought to say, this is good for our society. Um, but to do that is going to take a big cultural change. And if you look at cultural changes through history, the most significant cultural changes have often been underpinned and driven by a uh, spiritual and moral uh, reawakening. You know, you had in American history, the Great Awakenings. Uh, in English history, I'm originally from, from England. Um, William Wilberforce is, is well known for his 20-year campaign as a member of parliament to bring an end to the slave trade, then followed up with another 20-year campaign to end slavery in the West Indian islands that were British colonies at the time. His inspiration was his Christian faith. He was inspired by uh, the movement of John Wesley and took seriously the idea that uh, we are made, human beings are made in the image of God. And because of that, how can one human being own another human being as property? So that spiritual revolution that started with Wesley found a seed in Wilberforce and his supporters to turn it not just into faith and belief, but into practical action to bring major change in society. So I think as regards the family, we need that sort of vision at, at this time uh, to, to rectify uh, the, the, the bad consequences uh, that come from a poor understanding of human nature uh, and, and, and human values. So Genesis 1.27 says, God made man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So that, that suggests that the image of God is not just in individuals, but the image of God is more fully present in, at least in God's ideal and hope, in a man and a woman who are joined together in a loving relationship that puts God at the center. Now, imagine 
that sort of relationship where a couple, uh, God can express himself through a couple, and then through that couple, give, uh, they give birth to children. In a sense, those children would be sons and daughters of God in a very real sense, to the extent that God is present in their, in their parents. And uh, what then would happen in a family that is, is raised and exists like that? Within a family, uh, the child would grow learning the different aspects of love. So as a child, uh, you, you, your love is passive. You receive love from your parents. If a child is not loved by its parents, it's going to have difficulties in later life. So that's a child's love. You receive love from your parents and all the aunts and uncles who say, you know, goo, 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 isn't he cute? <laughs> um, as you grow, you uh, learn to interact with your siblings. And if you don't have siblings, maybe with cousins. And, but you interact with other kids around your age, maybe some a little older. And as you get older, some a little younger. And out of that, you learn that you are not actually the center of the universe, even though your parents, for while you were small, uh, made you the center of, of, of certainly their universe, and rightly. Uh, but you learn, okay, I'm not the center of the universe. I have to deal with other people and learn how to have giving and receiving with them uh, to get on together with other people. As you grow to maturity, uh, you begin to uh, look for a partner, partner of the opposite sex. Um, and ultimately, uh, you, you, the natural course is you find such a partner um, and you marry. And then together, you experience a third type of love. We've had the child's passive love, the sibling love, and then the most intimate form of mutual love, that between uh, a husband and a wife. Out of that love comes new life, the next generation of children. And those children, um, the, 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 the couple, then learn what it is to love as a parent, um, which takes a lot of sacrifice, sometimes frustration. But through that, that uh, couple learn, aha, now I understand my parents uh, much better because I realized what they went through with me. Um, so it's a way in which that thread of love and understanding is passed down through the generations. And even more so through that creation of new life through love, the, 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 as, as a couple, as a child, they are learning uh, to share the experience that God must have had when out of his love, he created the first human beings. So we too have that blessing that out of love, we can create new life and then a generation for the future. And then in raising that child, you're preparing a person of character, a responsibility, who can then be responsible for their family and maybe beyond to their community. The values that are learned within the family are then the values that a child that's grown to adulthood then expresses in the wider society. Um, and that is a, a, a vision of... of uh, of a, what I would call a, a God-centered family. The family becomes the school of love and the training ground of character. 
Now, this vision, uh, yesterday Richard gave a presentation, the exposition of the divine principle, and this vision of the family is, is absolutely central uh, to the divine principle, uh, which is the revelation and inspiration of the late Reverend Sun Myung Moon. Reverend Moon in his life uh, started many, many projects and, and, and initiatives, but at the center of everything was his vision for creating ideal families who could live together with God and living with God then could create God's kingdom of original love on, on this earth. So he launched uh, a pure love movement uh, for young people before marriage, a marriage blessing movement where people who were getting married or who were already married could rededicate themselves uh, in, 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 to, to this vision of marriage and family centered on God. Uh, the work that Richard's been doing with the abstinence training and so on is promoting this idea of a, of a, a, a pure love movement uh, and that young people who follow that path uh, then become not only they do better in school, they don't get into trouble with the law, they earn more money, but they become people of more full and rounded character capable of loving others. Let me uh, conclude here by uh, a couple of, of, of quotes. Uh, one is from uh, the late Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who was the uh, chief rabbi of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth, who said some wonderful things about the importance of families. Uh, the family, man, woman, and child, is not one lifestyle choice among many. It is the best means we have yet discovered for nurturing future generations and enabling children to grow in a matrix of stability and love. It is where we learn the delicate choreography of relationships and how to handle the inevitable conflicts within any human group. It is where we first take the risk of giving and receiving her love. It is where one generation passes on its values to the next ensuring the continuity of a civilization. Now, I don't think you can get a better expression of the, the value and the multiple facets of, of family than that. But let me, uh, final quote, this one is from Reverend Moon, talking about what he saw would unfold in the 21st century. And he said that um, in the course of the 20th century, as well as a couple of other things he mentioned, humanity will gradually come to realize the divine value and the social significance of the family as the basic school of true love. This realization will arise out of the painful experiences of family breakdown and the abnormal transformation of the family throughout the world during recent decades. So that's the seed of hope, that out of the current confusion and a mixture of values and, and, and self-centered values uh, getting prominence in our society, um, that yet there is a seed for a true understanding of family and its benefits and blessings able to come forth. So I, I hope that all of you listening here and everybody who sees this uh, video in the future, sees this course here, will take that to heart and become uh, among the growing number of people who want to promote this vision of the family 
and make it a reality. Thank you very much. Just hand over to Richard here. Okay. Thank you, Michael. Wow, that's beautiful. And absolutely essential, as, as we were saying, you know, to really, um, well, to help our society. That's the only way, like, like the premise says. So that was exactly in line with the premise. We need, you know, revolution of, of absence and education because we've got to start to break that cycle uh, somewhere. So I think that's, that's a very, you know, important thing. Um, do we have a question for uh, Michael or myself about what we've shared so far? I was wondering, um, um, what's the best website to uh, get the uh, historical like, information and studies that, uh, that uh, he was drawing from? Okay, let's have a, I guess, um, Michael can come up and uh, share that. Uh, yeah, the, there's there's quite a few. Um, one, the one that I mentioned the, is the, you know, the International Federation for Family Development. Um, there's also if you if you just Google and and uh, uh, like family research, there's the Family Research Council. Um, the Heritage Foundation has a section that looks at family and society. Uh, maybe after this is done, I can get together with Richard and maybe make a little list of other organizations yeah. and, we'll and, and you can post it. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that's, but those are a couple to get, get you started with. So thank you again, Michael. Okay. So, thank you, um, Mr. Marshall.